Well, we are continuing our journey through the letter to the Ephesian church that Paul wrote. I hope you were in Bible class and have already looked at this passage. We're going to give it one more look before we leave today. Uh, out of the first chapter of Ephesians, the last portion of that chapter. Let's be standing, please, as we hear this, the Word of God. Paul writes, When mentioning you in my prayers, I ask that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the all-glorious Father, give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may fully know him. I ask that he illumine the eyes of your hearts so that you may become aware of the hope to which he is calling you. What the glorious riches are to be inherited among the saints, and how exceedingly great is his power for us believers. For it is that same mighty strength at work, which God exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and enthroned him at his right hand in the heavens, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he has put everything under his feet and appointed him, the head over all, to be head of the church, which is his body, full of him who fills all things totally. May God bless the reading of his word. I feel like we almost ought to just let that be. <laughs> Most mornings when I'm standing back at the back and people are coming in, I'll have somebody come by and good-naturedly kind of poke me and say, well, is the sermon going to be any good today? And uh, I often hear myself say, well, I hope so. And understand by using the word hope like that, I'm basically saying I'm not real sure. <laughs> you know, that's uh, kind of the way we use the word hope. When we say I hope something happens, we're saying we're not just 100% sure that's what it's going to be. We want it to be that way, but there's some doubt there as to whether or not that's going to happen. And that's fine. We all understand that, and we communicate with that word, and everything's good. The only problem is, is when we bring that understanding of what the word hope means and start reading our Bibles. Because in our Bibles, the word hope is not used in that way. That is not the meaning of the biblical word hope. The biblical word hope more closely lines up with our idea of saying, I expect it to happen. I'm counting on that. It's a reality that is going to happen. It hasn't happened yet. I'm waiting for it. Another way of looking at the biblical understanding of hope, it's like a goal that we have. You know, we all have goals in our lives, something that we're moving toward, an event or a stage of life or something that's going to happen someday and we're looking forward to that happening, and that kind of gives meaning to what we're doing now. Because this is one day going to happen, then I'm doing these things here until that time comes. It's especially important to have that kind of hope whenever the times we're going through are rather tough. If things are difficult right now, you can always turn and say, but 
The hope is this. Here is the end result. Here is the goal. I was thinking of a story and looked it up this week that I had read about a naval aviator named James Stockdale. Uh, The Smith family knows James or knew him. He passed away in 2005. But he was an aviator that flew in World War II and in the Korean War and then in the Vietnam War. However, he was the first American aviator shot down over Vietnam and was taken prisoner and held for over seven years by the Viet Cong. And as soon as you say held by the Viet Cong, you begin to understand some of the experiences that he went through. He was held primarily in isolation. He was tortured almost every day, and yet he endured. When he finally got out seven and a half years later, he never was able to walk very well again because they had broken one of his legs and not set it, and therefore he was really crippled the rest of his life. But so many of the people that were held by the Viet Cong did not make it through that experience. And so oftentimes, as he did make it back home after seven and a half years, people ask him, how were you able to endure that? How were you able to go through such difficult times? He had always replied with one word, hope. That he had the vision that one day he would be back home. And he made another statement that I think is just marvelous. He said, I never lost faith in the end of the story. He had this idea and this vision out there of how his story was going to end. And that was his hope. And it kept him going. That's what hope does for us. Especially the goals and the hopes That we have along the way. The first goal or the first hope that I remember having, I was three years old. I don't remember a lot, Trey, about when I was three years old, but I do remember this because it was a very specific hope. My hope when I was three years old is that one day I would be four. Uh, Let me tell you why that was so important. It's because When I went to Sunday morning Bible class in the three-year-old class, we went to a little church building that was old and rather dilapidated, and and the classrooms were not arranged very well, and the three-year-old class was here, and the four-year-old class was here, and the four-year-olds had to walk through the three-year-old class to get to the four-year-old class. And I can remember sitting there at my little table watching these four-year-olds walk by. They were so big and so grown up. And there I was at my little table. And when they opened the door to go in the four-year-old room, I could lean over and look, and it was so cool in there. They had bigger tables. They had a lot better stuff on their walls. You know, I just could not wait till one day I could go to the four-year-old class. It was my hope every time I sat in that three-year-old class. Well, finally, that hope was realized. I got to go to the four-year-old class, walk past all the baby three-year-olds, and into the four-year-old class. I got to do that one time. I didn't realize all this time we had been building a new church building. (laughs) I got to go to that four-year-old class one time, and then we moved to the new building, 
And then the four-year-old class wasn't even connected to the three-year-old class. But my hope was realized. My goal was achieved. Therefore, I came up with a new hope. I don't know what that hope was, but I'm sure it served me well. Because that's the way we do things. That's kind of the way we live our lives. We have this hope out there, this goal, and we move toward it. And then it's realized, and then we move on to the next one. We have any fifth graders in here? Congratulations, fifth graders. You have achieved a goal. I have a fifth grade grandson, and he has been looking so forward to this year because they are going to be the oldest people in elementary school. They are the top dogs. They are over everyone. Kindergartner, first grade, second grade. Their rooms are on the second floor of the building. I mean, they are just really super, okay? However, in talking to him, I realize he's already beginning to reformulate another goal. Middle school. Middle school is a lot cooler than elementary school. You know, and it's good that he's finally worked his way up to that goal, but now he's going to move on to middle school. We have any 15-year-olds in here? Is anybody 15? You don't want to admit it? All right, there's okay. (laughs) What is the driving force in a 15-year-old's life? I gave you a little hint there. (laughs) Your driver's license, that's right. When you turn 16, finally, you get that little piece of plastic that allows you to drive down the road with neither mom nor dad in the car. Isn't that wonderful? Now, I hate to tell you this, but your parents are also looking forward to that day (laughs) when they no longer have to go to all these places that you're going. They can just say, see you later, be careful. Seniors in high school, I know some of you are not going to admit it to me, but you're a senior. You've made it. Haven't you been looking forward to this? Isn't it great to be a senior in high school? Yeah. However, you're already starting to think a little bit ahead now, aren't you? There's another goal out there. You're going to walk across this aisle and you're going to be in university. You're going to be in college. Isn't that wonderful? You get to college, you start formulating other goals, don't you? You're already, you know, you've gotten away, you're away from mom and dad, you've got some independence, you don't have to go to class at a high school, you can just go, you know, all kinds of things. College is so much, tell these kids, isn't college better than high school? Oh yeah, so much better than high school. Okay, sometimes, (laughs) anyway, (laughs) all right, just a minute, Josh, (laughs) okay, (laughs) all right. So that's just the way we do. We move to this goal and on to this goal and on to this goal. Hope after hope after hope. We get married. We hope for a family. We have our family. We have a hope that one day they'll all leave. (laughs) They all leave. We hope for retirement. Not to have to get up every morning and go to work. We get retirement, we go with hope of travel. We want to see the world. We want to do this. We want to do this. One hope to another to another. And then. That's somewhat of a problem, isn't it? We've been moving through these hopes. And then we come to that great, and now what? And then. And in fact... 
something we haven't mentioned yet in this little discussion is that I've lost some of you along the way because for some of us, some of our dearest hopes did not come true. For many of us in this room, we had hopes and dreams and goals that somewhere along the way were shattered. And there's no way of reclaiming those. Either because of our own failure, some decisions that we made, something we got involved in, it has destroyed the uh, the possibility of us achieving what we once dreamed that we wanted. Or sometimes it's the actions of other people. You know, we might have a hope of having this wonderful close family that Norman Rockwell would just love to paint, you know, sitting around the Thanksgiving table and everybody's holding hands and singing Kumbaya. You know, it's, it's just so wonderful. And maybe somewhere along the way that didn't happen. Or maybe we dreamed of having this job that would, would just support our family and something happened and now that's gone. And, or maybe we had planned on really enjoying our golden years and We get some diagnosis and we realize that that's not going to happen. And So what do we replace that with? What is that hope out there that is beyond failure? That hope out there that is the ultimate hope that will pull us along and help us as we put these other goals and hopes in place. But there will always be that one out there. It's always there. It'll never change. It's for sure. This is the hope that the Bible talks about. That ultimate hope that carries us all the way through life in every stage that we're in and even beyond the life that we know now. Peter had a word for this hope or a description of this hope, when he wrote 1 Peter chapter 1. He called it a living hope. Thanks be to God who has given us a living hope. Now, I don't know how you understand that word living. There's several ways it could be interpreted. But here's the way I hear it most. It's a hope that allows me to live in whatever stage of life I am in, to find meaning and purpose in this life right now, wherever I am, because there is always this ultimate hope out there that is a sure thing, that is there, that'll be there. And whatever path my life may take, there is still a reason to keep on going, to put one foot in front of another because of the ultimate hope that lies before us. Paul talked a lot about this hope. Before we look at what he says in this passage, I want to throw out some other passages in which Paul mentions this ultimate hope that we have. Romans chapter 5, at the beginning of the chapter, he talks about, he's talking to people that are really having a rough time right now. And to those people, he says, don't you know that if you have this ultimate hope here, that it will pull you through your sufferings. Your sufferings will make you tougher people. This tougher people will make you people of good character. And finally, that will give you hope. And I want to tell you something. This hope that is out there that God has given you, that is the ultimate hope, this hope will never, ever disappoint you. It can't fall apart. No matter what you have done or what others have done to you, this hope will be there. It will not disappoint you. 
Romans chapter 8, verse 24, Paul says, it is this kind of hope that saves us. Now, I remember reading that passage in the past and thinking, how does hope save us? Isn't he talking about going to heaven? And No, no. He, he says it's having that ultimate goal out there that we know we're headed for, knowing the end of our story. That's what gives us salvation now. And what he means by that, it's what puts us back together now. It keeps us from just falling apart whenever our lives are not going exactly like we want them to. Or you know what? Even struggling with what next. And this may seem silly. I didn't mention this first service, but I remember when I finally got my doctorate, you know, that had been a goal of mine for 40 something years. I was a late bloomer, Trey. <laughs> okay. You know, that, that, I, want, I, I want to get my doctorate. I want to get my doctorate. I got it. And talk to Pat. I sat around for a couple of months going, now what do I do? <laughs> Even when you achieve something that you really wanted, it's like, well, what next? What do I do now? Paul says, the kind of hope we're talking about answers that for you. It puts you back together. It keeps you going. Because there's always something else there. Something else that is meaningful and purposeful. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12. He says, since we have this kind of hope, we live with boldness. Don't you just love that? The reason that you can live aggressively, that you can still be engaged in life, no matter what your situation is, is because you have this ultimate hope before you. This hope that comes from God. 1 Thessalonians 4.13 is a wonderful passage for those of us who are a little older and that list of people that we miss gets longer and longer and people that we love dearly that we can no longer talk with and visit with and some of those people we think about almost every day. Paul says, it is this hope that sustains us in our grief. It is this hope that allows us to keep on going even though we've lost those around us that we love so much. The Hebrews writer says it one more way. And this is the passage that first pops into my mind when I think of the word hope. In Hebrews chapter 6 verse 19, the author says, Hope is the anchor of our lives. It's what keeps us steady. It's what makes us who we are. Where are we going? And what's next? Well, what is it that Paul then says in this passage, just very quickly? He prays that his friends will be aware of the hope that God has given them. I find that interesting, don't you? When he's praying for them, he's just praying that they will be conscious of this hope. That it won't be something that's just filed away and unfunctional in their lives. But it really is something that works in their lives to keep them moving forward. Knowing that God has given them a future that will be more glorious than anything they have experienced here. Helps them to set their goals in this life. And helps them to make it through the difficult times of this life. Because we know that there's always a what next. There is always going to be something 
there. Paul prays that be aware of this. May God, through His Spirit, give you this awareness so that you can live this kind of life. He describes the hope in two ways. One, he calls it a glorious inheritance. And Peter talks about this too in Peter chapter 1, that it is an inheritance that God has waiting for us right there at the end of our lives. There it is. Isn't it wonderful as Christians, as believers, to know that no matter how wonderful a life we have, and I do believe that God wants us to experience a wonderful life on this earth, that it's only going to get better. That is the inheritance that he has to give to us. And as we work our way through this life, it keeps pulling us forward and setting the next what if and what next. The second way he describes it is an exceedingly great power. He says the kind of power that is at work and keeping you going and giving you eternal life is the very power that God used to raise Jesus from the dead and to seat him at his right hand, where he now is in charge of everything, even in charge of the church, and he fills the church with all of his power, that that power is there. Therefore, you can trust it. And we never have to spend too long as Christians and believers to sit around and thinking, what next? Will it ever be good again? I want to appeal to those who have goals that you're excited about right now. You know, life is good, and I hope it is, especially for you young folks up here. Oh, I hope that life is just so good right now. And you know where you want to be and what you want to be doing next year and a couple of years after that. I want to appeal to you to make sure that you also are aware that you need that ultimate goal. The one that will serve you through your whole life and help you in making the decisions of your life. Because that's where you're going to end up for eternity. That's where you're going to be. And let that goal drive you and pull you forward through all the stopping points along the way. But I especially want to appeal to those of you who struggle with hopelessness. That maybe the dreams and goals that you had set have not come true. Or maybe you've clicked off most of the list and wonder if there's anything left. To be aware of that ultimate goal that is there. That ultimate hope. That is a gift to you from our God. If you will but trust in his son Jesus Christ. If you will but wear his name. Put him on in baptism. And let him live this life with you. He will always be able to say, just wait, just wait. You think this is good, it's going to get better. Let's stand and sing.